And now, making their way into the arena, hailing from the great pro wrestling state of Massachusetts, they are the hosts of the Top of the Cage podcast. Here are Bill and Juice. And thank you again, Rich Palladino, the voice of New England, making us sound so good. And I am the super producer. I am Bill joined always by my tag team partner my wrestling confidant he is the future booking genius and the prince of pro wrestling podcasts he is justin juice cannon boom what you gonna do when juice and mania comes for you what runs wild on you wow i fucked it up well I want to try something new. And I just <laughs> fucked it up. So I'm going to do like all excited with a voice of Hulk, and I'm just too tired for that. <laughs> yes, we are recording at 7.30 in the morning for you. And for me, that's 10.30, so I've been up. But for you, for this is this, the, the passion for content, Juice. That's what it is. Yeah, we love... Uh... We love delivering you top tier content, and that comes at any time, even in the morning time when I'm just too sleepy. Can't be the Prince of Pro Wrestling podcast if you're not recording a morning podcast. <laughs> well, the reason why we're recording this morning podcast is because there is quite a lot going on currently within the world of professional wrestling. We are recording this on the Saturday after quite a good week of wrestling. I think one of the things, Juice, if we want to start off with here, WWE has been absolutely killing it. And after the Friday Night SmackDown last night's uh, Sammy and Roman segments, I really want either a lot more of that or leading it to a Sammy KO title match. It's wild to see the dynamic between Sammy and the bloodline. And um, for a while, it was kind of just like, uh, why? And like, just little like teases and stuff. And now they're like, really spending a lot of time on into it and a lot of time in the Sammy's dynamic, really focusing around Sammy in the bill line and what he has to do. And, you know, that's definitely the triple H influence going on there. I mean, triple loves, loves Sammy and KO. So I hope this just leads to big things for Sammy and hopefully a title feud. And beyond that, hopefully a title win because I love Sammy and, Crowd loves Sammy, man, especially in like Canada. Like Montreal last night was popping. Like they were a great crowd on SmackDown. And then they went even up a higher octave, which I didn't think was possible when Sammy came out. They're just all for Sammy, dude. They're ole, ole chance. It was just beautiful. It brought a smile to my face. I think it was back in 2015 they had another show in Canada and I was watching it the other day because Sammy and KO both got absolutely massive pops like they did last night then too. Like it's just so crazy how over like the two best Canadian wrestlers in WWE are in Canada. As they should because they're just so freaking talented and now they're got so much more freedom and the characters of each that we love the most are starting the show. Even like, I mean, Sammy's the strategist and the sneaky guy, but um, we're seeing a little influences of old NXT Sammy recently, especially last night. And that 
Yeah, give me that. I'd love him to turn face eventually. And I love that Triple H is in control. And I don't want to keep saying like, oh, everything is black and gold NXT, but a lot of it is similar. And one thing I'm loving too is how like intertwined the main event is. Like there's three realistic guys right now that could face Roman, I feel like, from a SmackDown side. Um, but actually maybe even four, if you want to include Kevin Owens, Karrion Cross, Drew McIntyre, and Sami Zayn with a turn. But I think that Drew and KO also the other night, like that fucking promo, like we are wrestlers in a wrestling ring, let's wrestle. That ain't happening under Vince McMahon, Juice. I'm just saying that ain't happening under Vince McMahon. Everything just feels a lot less rehearsed and scripted. I think these guys, no no shade to AEW, but they have freedom and promos and they don't come close to this because just the top guys in WWE, I think, still have the edge. WWE still has the better recruiting, and I think it's starting to actually show now that these guys have more freedom in the promos, have more time in their matches, and the woman too. Like everyone, it just is really starting to show now that I got a wrestler, a former legendary wrestler, a guy who has a great mind for the business. Triple H is in charge, and you know we're really uh, <laughs> hyping up uh, Papa H, but he deserves it, man. He's doing great job so far. Yeah, and Juice, I think we'd be remiss to not talk about something that we've been asking for for almost a year at this point, and that is the return of Bailey. And she has some sidekicks, and I mean, I don't even want to call them sidekicks. Like they're they're just great women wrestlers in their own right. Yeah, it's a great faction. Uh, Control. I don't know if that's official name, but that's kind of what they've been calling themselves. Yeah, I saw that today too. Yeah, and it's uh, Bailey. EO Shirai, who's EO Sky now, and Dakota Kai. And I'm all for this faction. Three of my, well, two of my favorites. I love EO and Bailey. And then Dakota, I'm warm up on. Like every time I see Dakota, I like warm up more and more on her. She's not like my favorite, but I respect her. She's a good wrestler. Uh, I was actually pretty ha- more excited than I thought it would be when I saw her come back, mainly because of how she came back. Like just, the triple like return and just debut of a all women's faction, which we haven't had one of those like in a while in a uh, WWE. Like, it was like Team Bad the last one, or was there one like after that? I mean, you had like the Riot Squad. Oh um, yeah, <laughs> you had Absolution. Yeah, I think Paige was like the manager of like Kaya yeah, Absolution, Oscar. Oh, yeah, that was Absolution. Yeah. I thought there were there two iterations of Absolution? Oh no, Kyrie and Oscar, yeah. I think they that she did do some work with them. She did. There might have been two iterations of it too. Yeah. Because I know she was with um Mandy and Sonia. And then I know she did Kyrie and Oscar for like four seconds. Yeah, hot minute. Yeah. I don't know if there's any others. I mean, I guess like Sasha Bailey, if you want, because they were just dominant together, but Yeah. I mean in fact, I'd say like at least three. Yeah, I agree. Thinking. And I mean, I mean, obviously, like Toxic Attraction, but that's NXT. Very true. Well, we did see them up recently. What did you think about that? It was good. I mean, the reason that they were there because of a Zoe Stark injury again, mm-hmm. on Tuesday, which I'm not sure if it's like kayfabe or what, but like uh, it was supposed to be Zoe Stark and Keita Lyons versus Sonya and Natalia, and. It should have just been Toxic Attraction versus Natalia and Sonya from the get-go. It made no sense. It really made no sense. Yeah, like, it, it. 
I mean, I like Zoe Stark. I'm actually a big fan. I kind of wish she beat Mandy so Mandy can move up and Zoe, you know, gets a good run with the title. And like she was used as a tag wrestler for a while before her injury. And now that she's in a singles push, I was hoping they just go all the way with it, have her win at Heat Wave. But uh, she lost and she's injured. And then, but you know, Toxic Attraction getting on SmackDown and having a great performance. Like I enjoyed it. They did a really good job. Mainly just telling the story and really being those like cocky heels that we know and love on uh, NXT. They really remind me of the Iconics and I miss and love the Iconics. So give me that. And then yeah, give them a push. Like they're in the semifinals. They're probably not going to get out of the semifinals. Getting a win over like a veteran women's tag team too is, is just good for their reputation. I'm glad yeah. that they went over, and I think that it that they looked pretty good in the win, too. Yeah, definitely. And I think it's going to lead to the call-up soon. I know that's all the reports, and I'm sure if they're coming, that means Mandy probably is. So I'm curious who she'll drop the title to, if anyone. And I'm excited to see the next round, Raquel and Aaliyah versus Toxic, and see how that match looks. I'm not the biggest fan of Aaliyah, but... uh I think it could still be a good match because just I think it's good character contrast and I think they'll complement each other well in the ring. One other thing I feel like I want to talk about about WWE before we move on from it. I am so fucking excited to see the two lads, the two big men, Gunther and Sheamus just fucking slap meat all around the ring in the UK. I am so excited for that. Their chests and necks are going to be so red and so many. It's going to be like Ilya versus Walter all over again. That's going to be brutal. And I'm so excited to see it. Yeah, like I was reading a lot of things last night when, when Seamus won. And yeah, everybody was like, they're not going to have skin. Like, these men are going to have broken pinkies. Like, <laughs> but that crowd is going to go crazy for that match too. Like I just am so excited to just experience the energy that's going to be generated from that crowd. When this one too, I, I would call Seamus like a, a home, uh, just a European star, you know, like, so they're going to just cheer it up for the two lads from, from Europe. And I, I'm just so excited for that match. I think there's a lot of expectations for it, but I know both guys will deliver. Both guys are good at, meeting or exceeding expectations usually usually Seamus matches even though like especially the past few years he's been so good like people don't have like super high expectations most of the time for the matches and that usually leads to being very well entertained and Walter or Gunther he always has super high expectations for matches and he usually meets them or exceeds them which is crazy. So I think this is definitely going to deliver. Be match of the night at Clash of the Castle. Um, it should be a pretty fun event. I'm excited for it. Me too. Like this is, I feel like we were talking about this last night too. This is the first time in WWE since like the COVID time, like back just like Sasha Bailey running COVID that I've been really excited for WWE. Like almost a little bit more than AEW. Actually, probably more than AEW at this point, honestly. Yeah, which we'll definitely get to our thoughts on AW recently. But one last thing I kind of want to bring up with WWE is them really not just focusing on the men's division, but really giving more attention to the tag, especially like 
we know Vince's thoughts on tag rest tag team wrestling. He's like, it's not drive to pay four people one match, whatever. But it's really getting a focus. Like we see a big feud with New Day and and uh, the Viking, the new vicious Viking Raiders. And usually we don't see like a secondary tag feud that doesn't have the titles in it. And I'm loving it. I love the vicious Viking Raiders like image. I love Viking shit. Like give me a Viking like anime or a Viking like TV show like The Last Kingdom. Like I watch the shit of it. So like give me Viking wrestlers and make them vicious and do viking vignettes i'm all for it that vignette was so fucking sick too like i was like i was watching it just in bed i was like holy shit like i would watch a movie like if this just continued on like i would watch it i'm very interested in that yeah give me more of those like the music that the viking funeral just like sarah logan making little yeah the sarah logan appearance yep Oh, it was fire. I was like, oh, this is so hype. They did a great job with the vignettes last night because Karrion Cross had a fire one. It's just awesome. But I'm excited for WWE Tag Team Wrestling again. I mean, we've had some great matches with the Usos and the Street Profits and New Day, but it's really just been the three tag teams. And now they're, they're, the women's tag team division is getting finally getting more focus, and we're going to have actual women's tag teams, the men's tag teams. Teams that aren't in the title picture are getting more focus, like the Alpha Academies and the Viking Raiders and all of them. And hopefully, I, I, I like Maximum Models. I hope they get, you know, more focus in tag division, which it looks like because them and Hit Row had a little run in last night. I love to see Hit Row back, even without Swerve. I'm excited for the tag division because tag wrestling has been my favorite recently in the past couple of years. Like most of my matches of the years are tag tag matches so i'm all i'm all for it they got the talent and i don't think the tag division is that below the aw tag division i think it's just how they've been booked and they're starting they're really starting to show that juice another thing we were talking about last night I have actually been relatively interested in the G1. Like, I feel like just because it is, like, a, a bigger thing in wrestling, like, we saw Lance Archer in it, like, and, you know, like, like bigger stars always want to be a part of it and winning it. The, the names of people that were in there, and I would say that a lot of them I got exposed to from the Forbidden Door, like, Osprey, Okada, like, Naito, like, I, I, I was very interested in it, and it seems like a lot of people were like, yeah, like match of the year, like few of them could easily come from this tournament. This year was kind of first year since I really started paying attention to G1 that I wasn't as interested. And I think the main reason was that when I looked, there were only like two people that aren't New Japan that were in it. And it was Jonah and Archer. Might be missing one, but I'm pretty sure those are like the, two, well, those are like the two that, well, Jonah's kind of New Japan recently like he's been in new japan america shows all the time recently but those are like the two new guys that well not two new but two fresher faces not pure new japan talent in the bracket and that made me think that the winner is going to be someone who's won before been in the finals before like a, a a bit one of their bigger names like uh, either jay white who's seen one before okada who just you know tied the record with the win recently the win two nights ago uh, Naito, just I thought it was definitely gonna be repeat, which made me uh, less interested. But then the finals got high reviews that we heard between Osprey and uh, Okada in a rematch from Wrestle Kingdom, and 
Tamatanga really getting even with Jay White in the semifinals. I heard I really want to watch that match. I heard that was awesome and like that's a cool moment. I I like God. I love Jay White, so that would have been just me going back and forth the whole match. And the blocks is interesting too, like Zach Saber and um having the lead for a while and his block and then losing the Naito and the block final and then Naito leaving losing in the semifinals and then we saw the tiebreaker between Jay White and um Tama and then yeah just a lot of drama and a lot of interesting things that made it fresher than I thought it was gonna be. Definitely I'm gonna go back and watch some of these like later matches like the semifinals the finals and Tama Tonga versus Jay White of course too. I like to see that Jonah looked pretty strong throughout it too. Like that's that's pretty cool. I also think I'm gonna go out and actively watch that finals match at least. Uh, it got a five point seven five from Meltzer, I remember if I remember correctly. So like, you can't ignore that that's a really good wrestling match. And now I know who both guys are and like understand their characters from like I said just from Forbidden Door. So ready to see those two guys tear it down. I'm sure, it's great. They got a lot of chemistry. Um, different styles that make it. Really fun. And they're both very fast-paced. They make these longer New Japan matches fly by, which is definitely a must. Especially Osprey. Like, the dude can make a 35-minute match feel like a 12-minute match. And Juice, one last thing we wanted to talk about on this episode is, of course, AEW. We alluded to it a little before. AEW, and I'm going to go out in a bold statement here, there's been some quality drop recently. I feel like WWE has been putting out the better wrestling product. AEW has some good things going for them. I'm really interested in what's going to happen with the world title now. Kenny Omega is back, and I'm a very big Kenny fan, especially with the Bucks. The trios tournament also is looking pretty cool. But, like, I don't know. I feel like last night's Rampage and, like, this week's Dynamite, like, outside of a few matches, weren't as good as WWE's two shows during the week. I still have to watch and kind of recap on rampage but yeah dynamite recently well rampage has been just the matches it kind of just seems like developmental so most of the time i just read recaps like the past probably past six episodes i haven't watched just read recaps or like i'll watch one match from them because i'm just not interested in any of it and then you hear about like how people just the majority of people left and they had the a couple weeks ago and they had to do like post-production things and make it seem like there were more people there than there really were. And just sounds like some uh, WWE stuff when they were in the slump. And that's not good to hear. And Dynamite, there still is always at least one like great match, but you don't, you need more than just great matches. You need good feuds. You need good story progressions and, everything just seems kind of recycled and kind of stale at times. Like they got great characters, which can make this work. Like Will Hobbs and Ricky, like we've seen these, that, that, that type of feud in AW so many times, but I'm still into it because of mainly Ricky. And then even a little bit Hobbs too, like I'm interested to see where it goes, but we've seen that type of story. So when they keep doing that type of feud, the same exact way with the same exact ending and the same exact, moments in the feud like it gets old and you kind of just get up you don't have to pause the dvr or wait till commercial and just get up make popcorn or go to the bathroom during the show because you already know what's going to happen so who cares if you miss a minute or two 
they need this to fix that and fix the booking. I think it starts with Tony. I think, I think Tony's done a great job and I'm not taking away from Tony. I'm not saying stop making booking decisions, but I know he's not doing it all by himself. He has help, but I think he should really maybe give someone more control or maybe split the duties more evenly in booking, like have Regal involved or bring someone in new. Like there's plenty of wrestlers with a great knowledge of the business that aren't working right now that are just, you know, a home and they'd probably be very willing to come in and work, especially for a fat check, which Tony's got plenty of money. So I think he's got to do something just to get the interest really fully back. Yeah. And I've heard some like rumblings about like their TV deals and like people getting bought out. And I feel like if they're competing for a TV deal, or, like trying to get competitive with WWE from a TV perspective, like not, not doing as good as they could do. I think that's a really good point that you brought up though, about maybe like somebody else needs to come in. And yeah, I, I completely agree. It's different. And I feel like we're seeing this with WWE when you have a wrestler running wrestling, they, they just get it. You know, they get storytelling, they get how to just progress a feud that doesn't need to have a match every week. They understand feuds in general, but I feel like AEW does have a few good feuds going on right now. I think the most confusing one right now is CM Punk calling out Hangman in his promo, and then they just made Hangman look like a little bitch. Like, the reports on that have been pretty wild, too, that apparently CM Punk went into business for himself. So I, I don't really know what to expect from that right now. Yeah, I mean, that pissed me off. And, like, CM Punk being a little, like, diva bitch. Like, dude, you're a great wrestler, but, like, the ego, chill it. Like, I mean, it's hard to chill it when you're, like, so successful and fans love you so much and you are, like, associated with so many, like, classic matches and stuff, and you're a legend. So you're going to be a little diva and feel entitled to everything, and you everything has to go your way. But, I don't know, I don't... I don't like you shooting on my boy, man. Like, stop being a little princess. <laughs> yeah, I, I was just sad. Like, I was like, oh, Hangman isn't a little bitch. Like, how dare you do that? Yeah, saying coward shit. I was like, I want to slap you. <laughs> well, that's the thing, though, is is maybe it's just we're getting worked. I mean, I feel like AEW is doing that really well with blurring work in reality, which I don't know. From the MJF situation, I think it might be reality, but. You hear MJF might be raring to come back soon, though. Oh. I feel like they need him. Like, I feel like now that Kenny's back, if you bring back MJF as another pillar, I'm interested again. Because all the other storylines, like we were talking about, aren't terrible. But, like, the world title scene is just confusing to me right now. I'd say the major dip was after Double Nothing, and it's mainly because of MJF getting off TV. And before that, MJF was carrying shows. You want to watch what he says and does. The dude has fresh things and storylines, like these little like presidential debate things and like the, the sing-along, like things we don't see and are fresh and new. And then he just does fire promos. Like the dude keeps topping himself every time he talks. Well, and the thing too, that Wardlow storyline we had been waiting for for years, literally since the beginning of AEW. Everybody wanted to see that feud blow off. And it, it makes sense that MJF is the common denominator between great things that have happened in WWE or in AEW. Like the Jericho musical. Like that was just so silly and over the top, but amazing. Like that was a top promo of that year. Like 
I don't know. I, I feel like you need to pay your stars and MJF is a guy that I would pay money for. And I hope that he does come back soon because I do miss him. But as we alluded to earlier too, we have had the return of one Kenny Omega, who I think has been the greatest AEW world champion so far. And I feel like that's not that hard to argue with unless you want to argue with it. <laughs> no, I agree with that. So I'm really excited to see him in the Bucks in the trios tournament. I, I kind of hope they win it, but at the same time, I hope we get like a actual up and coming trios tag team to to beat them in the finals. And then it's just like a show of respect. Yeah. I'm really curious how the tournament unfolds and Kenny come back was awesome. I'm excited. He's finally back. And I love that. Like BTE has been, playing like a big part in young bucks feuds which does add like a freshness to the show and kenny being back definitely will up the quality i think and get interest like he got a huge pop and i'm excited to see what he does but he was a little bit rust but like it's been like what 10 months so that's expected like you definitely need to take those breaks when most of your matches are like 30 to 45 minutes and like you do a bunch of death matches and your body, yeah, like his body must be in so much pain. So like I understood it and taking a long break and it definitely like ups returns and stuff. And I love that recently they're not fully relying on a debut every week for pops. Like they were like after all the 90 days were up. They're not doing that as much recently. So that's good that they're getting pops other ways. And that's definitely must. And they got to keep capitalizing on that. Like these surprise turns, surprise returns and stuff like that to get reactions and not just cheap debuts. And it's funny that I'm like attacking AW for them using debuts or long, like for pops when a WWE just had like what five pops from, these release returns in a row <laughs> yeah yeah that's true i think AEW is is just building right now um i do th- agree though with the pop thing like that's actually a really good point that they were just kind of relying on i hate to say xwwe gets but a lot of them were <laughs> yeah or even like new japan pops during the forbidden door stuff which that's fine. Like everyone want, was waiting for Okada. Like that's a good pop. That's a good decision. Right. No, I completely agree with that. Cause like, like I was saying when we we're talking about New Japan, like it did expose me to a lot of good wrestlers that I'm now like actively seeking out their things. So I think both sides won from that definitely. But yeah, I don't know. I think like since Forbidden Door though, like I feel like that's where WWE has just kind of slowly been gaining the momentum. For sure. And then. Just two quick last things I want to say about AEW, and you, you're free to say whatever, but one, I already brought up like Tony Khan's booking, and one thing I noticed this week, I mean, you, you can defend it in like if it makes the booking make sense to you, definitely explain it and uh, say why. So Acclaimed and the Gun Club have been going back <laughs> and forth, and I, I've liked it m- majority, but we saw, we saw the Gun Boys betray Daddy Ass this week. Which, you know, like Stokely scouting off and Billy being really tough on them. Like, that made sense. That wasn't my issue with the booking. My issue with the booking is who saved Daddy Ass. <laughs> it was the acclaimed. And I get that the acclaimed and Daddy Ass were really close when all five of them together. But who led the charge for the gun boys to betray Daddy Ass? Who was the really real person that betrayed 
that claimed it was daddy ass. So why would you save the man that was the main person who betrayed you? That makes no sense. <laughs> I will admit I did love the scissor me daddy ass, but I understand completely where you're coming from. Like it was a cool moment, but I feel like the only reason they did the turn is so they could use that line. <laughs> yeah, that is a great fucking line that you gotta admit. <laughs> like, uh but I mean I'll be patient, see where it goes, because there are two good young tag teams. I like to see it's it's been a fun feud. I've been actually interested in it and stuff. But it's just like that. I'm like, why is that the person? Like I knew it was gonna happen. Like, you know, like I'm like, okay, so clam's gonna come out. That doesn't make sense, but they're probably coming out. And then they came out. It was just weird. And Stokely Hathaway, is he not with Jade anymore? <laughs> well, he after after uh, Rampage, he was was okay he had a uh, segment where he was just maniacally laughing holding a uh sledgehammer so he's just scouting everyone <laughs> hey man you know what they say always play both sides so you always come out on top yeah it gets a smart strategy plus i won't complain about having more stokely hathaway on my tv like aw does have some great managers right now like mark and well mainly those two i love those two daddy ass is a good manager too but um yeah, I like. We the- did get the return of Don Callis too. Oh yeah, and Don, you can't forget the Carney, the Carney bastard. Did you said you had one more point to talk about? Yeah, let's see if I can remember it. <laughs> <laughs> I do have one thing I want to bring up before, uh, if maybe it's the same thing as you. Do you believe that the back the Blackpool Combat Club is the best thing going on in AEW right now? I think that all of their wrestlers are just in the most prolific feuds in AEW right now, being. Now Claudio, uh, Dustin Rhodes, uh, and Claudio just in general as Ring of Honor world champ. Uh, Moxley as interim world champ. Now he's feuding with CM Punk. And then, obviously, Garcia, Danielson. Like, that was also a really good fucking technical match. But, I and Yuta. Like, I can't forget Wheeler. That's my boy. But, like, I think that they are the best thing going on in AEW right now. I think in terms of being booked in these big time matches and big time views but like honestly i mean garcia and brian danielson matches those were great and it was a good feud and we see garcia kind of starting to drift away and maybe join black pool combat club um the other two like i you know i'm not the biggest fan of the mock character it's not that i'm against him like i love dean ambrose i just john moxley hasn't done it for me I think that's a pretty bold claim because I've been loving John Moxley. I know a lot of people do. It's just like, for me, it's the same promo over and over again. It's just like, I'm tough and you're tough, but I'm tougher. <laughs> and it's just, that's the gist. And that's all I get from it. And matches, they're good, but it's just nothing that really pops out. Like none of the matches that he's had really blow me away and strike me as a classic or above like, I don't know if I'm rating him like 3.5, 3.75. Like when I think of, the best AW matches, zero of Moxley's I even consider. And I'm not saying they're bad. I'm just saying they're not classics. And if you're going to be one of their top guys, probably they're the face of the company at this point, you need a couple star matches, star moments. And there's not really moments that I think of that are Moxley that are like massive. I know that people are going to be like, what are you talking about? There's this and that and stuff like that. You even talked about the political campaign between MJF and, Mox, I'm like, yeah, but that was MJF. 
MJF made that, not Mox. And then Mox's matches. I like the Yuta one, but that was mainly because of Yuta. I feel like Dean, or rather Mox, is good with character. Like, I feel like he's a good character work guy in ring. You know, like, I think that he, if he has a good dance partner, he tells a good story in the ring. Like, him and Jericho told a good story in the ring. It wasn't the best match, but the story was pretty good. Uh, like you're saying with Yuta, like, him and Yuta, they just meshed really well. They had really good chemistry. And if you give, and the Danielson stuff, that was all pretty good. Oh, absolutely. Well, Danielson and Mox, that's a match I did like. And like that whole feud where it's like, I don't, I don't want to be with anybody I don't bleed with. Like, that's a top Moxley moment right there. Juice. That was a great line. I'll give that. Uh, it was a good line, but the fact that I didn't remember it right away and the Danielson Mox feud, you know, that's the creation of Blackpool. It kind of just says that Mox, even when, these moments that should be memorable aren't memorable to me. <laughs> it's just, you know, I kind of just want a big curveball of Mox just leaving and going WWE. <laughs> I'll be honest, but I know that's a minority. I know a lot of people are going to disagree with that. And if all the matches and moments they've had in AEW are for you, then awesome. I know you're a big fan of him and I'm not going to take that away from anybody and say like, get him off my TV. Cause he's, he is talented. Cause I just said like, I love Dean Ambrose. That's probably like my favorite member of the shield. So I respect him as a wrestler. He's an awesome wrestler. It's just the Mox character isn't doing it for me. And I thought it would like, I remember Mox came out in the poker chips and attacked and I loved it. And he was probably one of my like three favorite AEW guys. And I didn't really start to turn on him until probably the Jake Hager title defense. That's when I started to turn on him. And, you know, I know that's stereotypical, like, oh, they finally get the title win, then you turn. Like, I know. I usually don't do that. But for him, I did because it was just a bad match. And, like, that was when I started to notice that every promo with him is – it follows the same formula. It's not the same, but it's just, like, I'm tough. You're tough, but I'm tougher you got ego and I just want to fight. Like it's the same shit over and over again. And I just get tired of it. I can definitely understand where you're coming from though, but we will uh, agree to disagree there. Yeah, that's fine. I mean, that's what wrestling, you know, everyone's got their own cup of tea and that's fine. So I remembered what I was going to bring up and it's something that someone we haven't really seen on TV recently, but I remember double nothing to turn, capitalize and she's been used on aw dark and she has a new character and i want her on my tv because every time i, I actually like watch dark but i only watch i only watch her matches on dark and then i don't watch the rest dark because i like i like her entrance now i like her edginess it's julia hart julia hart mm-hmm. in the house of black it made me more interested in house of black like you know like house of black's been like you know, like it's fun matches, but I haven't been fully invested. Now I want Hassel Black on my TV, but I only want them on my TV if Julia Hart's there too. I love Julia Hart. Like, I think her promos are really good. Now let's get to edginess. And she's, her character work has been really blowing me away. It's some of the best character work in the company right now. Like, matches, she's at the aggressive, like she's stomping people and like, her her wrestling style has completely changed to fit this character and her entrance. And she's like, like, she's, like, the cutest person alive, but, like, she looks, like, intimidating. And I'm, like, how? Like, you're, like, adorable, like, a cute a cute girl. And, like, you actually look tough and, like, you're going to break someone's jaw. Like, 
she's doing a great job and i want her on my tv more i feel like it's a lot it's akin to the goddess alexa bliss start like with blake and murphy she was she was the manager and then all of a sudden just the mean streak came in and she becomes a multi-time women's champion like and arguably like one of the better women of like the last five years like I, I see a lot of that right now. Like, I feel like that we're getting a lot of like, okay, now we're getting serious. Now we're doing real character work. Now we're doing real moves in the ring. Like, you know, it, it's very good and it's refreshing. And like you said, House of Black, I think is also one of the best things going on in AEW right now. And I think after Rampage 2, where we had the unexpected Miro just had Malachi's mask. Like, that was pretty badass, too. Unexpected Mirror always gets me a pop, too. But, yeah, I, I think Julia Hart's actually really been killing it, too. I love the new gear, love the new look. And I think that that's just a really good sentiment to what AEW can tell a story good. Like, the whole House of Black thing where she got misted, slowly was growing, slowly was growing. Everybody knew it was coming, and then it finally came and it delivered. So, I agree. Like, that's some top-tier AEW going on right now. Yeah, now they just... When they do that, they have to realize you have to follow up. So you have to get them more involved on TV, not just dark and squashing people. Always the main criticism AEW has been their treatment of the women's division. It's still a huge issue, especially recently. Like Thunder Rosa's champ has been pretty underwhelming so far. And I feel like they're pushing the wrong people right now. And push the, I mean, still push your top ladies like the Thunder Rosa's just change how you do it and Britt Baker's but also fans are really feeling Julia Hart and people like that so get them more active and then there's Layla Hirsch's too that's incredible in the ring like push them try something new try to give them at least some a certain amount of time every week people like women's wrestling so utilize it you do have young talented wrestlers is, is the pool as good as an impact or or WWE, no, but it's still something you can work with. And the only reason, the only way these girls are going to get better and really deliver is give them that time. Like you see what happens when you give them a main event, like in St. Patrick's Day a couple years ago. Like Britt Baker and Thunder Rosa had like debatably the AW match of the year. Like that's what happens when you actually dedicate a huge chunk of time to them. So do it, especially. And I think people will surprise you, especially people like. Julia Hart, and it's going to keep hyping her up. Give Julia Hart my TV. I think she's going to surprise you, Tony. I don't think that's a bold claim at all. I completely agree with you. And Juice, if the people do not agree with you, or they agree with you and just want to give you an ego boost, uh, where can they do so? On Twitter, uh, capital T, capital O, capital T, capital C, underscore, capital P, lowercase O, lowercase D. On Instagram, T-O-T-C underscore P-O-D, all lowercase. Yes, and as we come crashing down to the map on this episode of Top of the Cage, we want to thank you all so much for tuning in. And if you are listening on Spotify or Apple Music and you do not give us a five-star rating, that means that you, specifically you, that person that did not give us that five-star rating, will not get five-star content, and that is just a fact. Fact. And again, thank you all so much for tuning in, and we will catch you next time.